I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform to make your training fun and make you get faster. This is stage three, the Critim de Dauphiné from 167 Ks long from Saint-Paulien to Chastre-Sancy. Difficult finish for me to pronounce. Rolling climbs, including a long one up to Côte de Bess en Chandes. These Rhone names, they're really tricky. I also got an email the other day, by the way, about Breton pronunciations and how they're different. Like Madouaz, you pronounce the S and stuff. And come on, I'm str- I'm flat out just doing like Galibier correctly. Uh, anyway. <laughs> This stage culminated in what we expected to be an uphill sprint. Uh, 6.2K is 5.6%, but it's it's really weird in that we discussed at length yesterday who Yumbo would go for because it's 5Ks proper climb, like 7% average, and then it's 1K flat, and then it kicks up at the end maybe like 4 or 5% for the last 150 uh, meters or so. I would remind you, in oh was it Paranese last year when Roglic crashed out in 2021 there was the Sharuba stage of course where he beat uh Laporte 2k 6% but there was uh also oh no that was the Sharuba stage I'm talking about uh that sort of had a longish climb a little bit harder but 7k 6% with some step bits in the middle and he just terminated everybody so they got an embarrassment of riches would Ineos go for Dunbar to a hungry finish, he was good. To Barry, or they got Gagenhardt, or Kwiatkowski, or uh, Hater. I don't know. Anyway, Yumbo's misfortune yesterday, Benji, kind of played out in like when they actually rolled up to the start today. I think they would have been grateful when the entirety of the Total Energy train went on the front to protect and honor the jersey of the Hermos. Yes, certainly. That team wanted to show themselves at the front of the race today. Viermos in that yellow jersey. And we saw that. We saw them keeping control of a breakaway that was uh, a rather interesting breakaway out there to say. Because uh, there was a team that was planning something big today. A team that is called BNB Hotels, Pro County team. And they first had one route in the breakaway, Sebastian Schoenberger, together with uh, Champion. I think Thomas Champion, if my memory serves me right, and Jonas Gregard. So Koffer is an UNOX rider. And oh, halfway the race, they were like, hmm, let's, let's put some more riders in the breakaway. Let's attack with three of our riders, Goujard, Roland, and Heidemann behind from the peloton, and let's bridge up towards that front tree. And they did exactly that. They had four riders in the breakaway from that point onwards, and I guess their plan was to try and make sure they had enough riders of their team in the breakaway to have more riders than the team that is facing in the peloton behind but the important factor there is that those riders need to be good enough to pace harder than the group that is pacing behind and well like you said Yumbo did want to do something with this stage and when Total was doing the initial controlling it uh, was Yumbo that took over and when did they like start pacing and what was it Laporte that was the first one to start pacing or? It was Laporte actually earlier than Benoit and I will you know 
remind you what was said in the BNB hotels team dressing room or meeting yesterday and this morning. Uh, we always forget it because we don't like we focus on the big teams often too much and not the dynamics of the smaller teams. They didn't get in the break, which went all the way yesterday. And there was FDJ and both of the other French Pro Conti teams, one of whom won and took the yellow jersey at a French World Tour race. And probably they went, hey, putain, c'était quoi? That's exactly what happened in the, <laughs> in the meeting at dinner last night. And that's why it didn't surprise me. They did this in the tour as well. I reckon, I'm not sure who the manager is, apparently a bit controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like roasts the riders sometimes. <laughs> and like we've seen this in the tour where they miss the break and we see him doing four man TT because <laughs> he's been on the radio just going, get in the break. So that definitely happened. But as Benji said, that was my little BNB segment. Um, they did honor the race and made Total's job very difficult today. But yeah, Yumbo wanted to ride for this stage. We didn't know whether it was for Wow, for Roglic. And as we, we don't have eight riders here. Like we start to get, they start to get thin on the ground because they, unlike yesterday, they used Benoit earlier to bring back the break. It turned into headwind. Break was just getting killed. Uh, Roland got dropped before the climb. Then it was like, it's like two minutes, then quickly 120, then quickly 40, and then done. And I think Schoenberger was pulling with the UNOX guy. Curious to see, I guess, there's just so many options today with these weird finishes. What did you, like, if you were Ineos Benji, what would your plan have been? Obviously, we've watched the stage, but what? how would you have approached this? Well, so first of all, I try and benefit from Yumbo as much as possible and try and use them to control the tempo in the peloton to try and catch the breakaway initially. When it comes to like the final climb itself, I dare to say I try some attacking stuff with a Dunbar or Kwiatkowski. And then you have Ethan Hater as the man to try and beat a Wout Fanato Roglic, depending on who Yumbo goes with. Is that your go-to as well? I think so because you, I mean, after what we've seen, you can't put all your chips on the hater table um, or in the hater eggs in the hater basket. You have to, and you know, I think it's strategically and probably for the morale of the team, let Dunbar and Kwiatkowski have a chance. And anyway, before we get to the climb, it is an uphill sprint finish. Mention our show partner Zwift if you're in winter. In the Southern Hemisphere, the weather's getting a bit miserable. Zwift can keep you on track of your fitness goals. You can ride in real or fantasy world locations with almost an unlimited amount of courses you can put together and try out to keep you entertained whilst training. If you want to check it out, you can go to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial through the link down below. Anyway, very simple. On the climb, huge group. Yumbo start pacing with uh, Benoit, who'd already been pacing a little bit. Laporte was dropped. We uh, it didn't look like a very hard pace, to be honest. No one was dropping. Ghana self-dropped. He was running for the TT tomorrow. Hater, I couldn't see. So Chris Clive was there uh, somewhere in the middle of the bunch. Hopefully, I was like, oh, maybe Chris will attack and I can have a great YouTube thumbnail. And I was, I was doing the maths, Benji. I was like, Benoit, we've got 4Ks left. Heath drops, 3Ks, 3.5 left, Kreuzweich. How are Yumbo going to keep this together with protecting Jonas, Wout, and Roglic? And eventually they made, they seem to make a decision to not sacrifice, but Jonas was below the other two on the hierarchy today, right? Yes, certainly. It was when other attacks started coming, like Kavanaugh, for example, where Jonas was responding to that and trying to kind of sit on that without necessarily pacing yet 
And then when it came back together, then he started putting up a tempo that was hard enough to make sure there weren't attacks coming from the other riders. But they had an issue with that because what if Jonas is spacing too much? What if Jonas is spacing too much to prevent attacks that it causes Wow to be in trouble? And that's something that we started seeing, right? Because when we eventually saw Viermont dropping for the 17th time on the screen because the French... What was he doing with his jaw? I don't have no clue. Was he gurning? <laughs> it was like <laughs> chewing. It was so weird. And they, they zoomed on it for so long. I, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> just go back to the front of the race for multiple reasons. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, one of the reasons was that Wout seemed to be in trouble at a certain point. And then at one point, we come back to the group from a helicopter angle and Wout is not in the in the video footage like we see Roglic near the front we see Jonas moving back in the group and yeah Wout was uh basically being dropped at the moment then that's when we saw Jonas go to the bag did you think Jonas was done or do you think he was actually waiting on Wout I think he was kind of done I think you can't run the argument that Jonas paced too hard and that was a bad idea if Jonas doesn't pace that hard this was still a big group I would say Wout is not in his Pyrenees stage eight condition. I think he's even said that he's been focusing on his sprints, not his climbing for the green Jersey. And it's a huge group. If Jonas paces any slower, Mass will attack. O'Connor will attack. O'Connor did attack earlier and that creates bigger problems for Roglic who would then have to close them. Uh, so, uh, or Jorgensen, this was a huge group. Bahrain had turns, Caruso, Haig, you, they were all moving up. Jonas had to pace that hard. They go over the crest. Roglic goes to the front. He even tries a little dig. He didn't attack. Roglic rode this climb completely passive for a stage. He would have been the favorite for if his teammate wasn't here. And goes to the front, attacks. It all stops. No one counters. That was the moment where I'm like, where's Ineos? Where's Gegenhart had attacked, but where's the Dunbar-Kwiatkowski counter? Hayde was dropped. Nothing happened. No one counted. Uh, on the flat, which is kind of curious. I was expecting the Ayuso move there, and it didn't happen. Jonas brings Wout back up front. Maybe they were scared of Rolish, and Rolish was at the front, just ready to close everything. Uh, and I whipped through the finish. Jonas goes to the front, leads out Wout. He leads him out for a long time. This is like very, very similar to the Miguel Angel Lopez Valverde stage last year in uh, Criterium de Dauphiné, where Lopez did a very long lead up. But Jonas. He'd already done that pull earlier, drops Wout off a little bit early. He's got everyone on his wheel. Roglic has actually been pushed off Wout's wheel and the, then the phase wheel by Mass or Jorgensen and Guerrero, and he's out of position, can't really contest the sprint at all. He doesn't lead out Wout. Wout's left in the front early, goes after Jonas, is furiously flicking his right elbow, and Guerrero initially looks like he's going faster on his left. Wout overcomes him. And then David Godu on the right-hand side ducks up the inside and wins in a replica of the Liège 2020 finish where Alaphilippe celebrated too early in Roglic one. Here, Wout celebrates, posts up, and then Godu nails him on the line. And Wout's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I just messed that up. And another beautiful win from Godu, who, by the way, very undervalued for this stage. I didn't consider him. He won the... um. Algarve stage, right? Yep. And the same way Gita crashed out Foss. Yeah, and I remember vaguely that he won an uphill sprint in, uh, was it the Dauphiné a few years back as well. So if my mind serves me right, I'm not checking while we're at it. Um, he apparently probably won 
another one before. I think Prydler got closed that day or something. My yeah, that's what I remember from that day. But it's just ah, Wouter and Felipe and. The, f- the thing is, like, a few months ago, I think Yumbo made, like, a sketch on on Twitter where they um, had a segment with Roglic saying, uh, it ain't over till it's over, as a joke reference to his own Tour de France. Well, I think uh, I think Wout should have listened to, uh, to Roglic a bit more because, uh, I don't know, like, what's your take on the finish? Because, like, let's say he doesn't throw his bike. Oh, well, let's say he throws his bike instead of celebrating. Do you consider him winning? I think it's pretty close. I know it's half a wheel in the end and it looks big, but you've got to remember these guys are going at a slower speed uphill. He's celebrating early, you know, his wheels then going back. He stopped pedaling for a few revolutions and slowed up. I definitely think uphill with Guru coming with speed, that could have made the difference and he could have won, but I'm not a physicist or engineer to calculate it. But yeah, maybe they'll see the humorous side of it afterwards. If I was Jonas, I wouldn't, <laughs> actually. Wow. Well, he didn't lose time, but Jonas, inve- Jonas invested a lot. I guess he got his own chance when he followed Gegenhardt's attack. Uh, but I'll read out the top 10. Guru wins ahead of Van Aert. Lovely win for him. Lefay third, also quite nice. Guerrero fourth. Genietz fifth. Schultz sixth, the Australian on Bex. Caruso eighth turns. No, Caruso seventh turns eighth. So whatever Bahrain lead out was supposed to happen, didn't. Jorgensen, 9th, McNulty, 10th. Johannesson, 11th, Roglic, 12th. Like, both of them, the former enemy, now currently in neutral state, what's going on there? Because he's legit fast. Yeah, I think Johannesson is legit fast. I think uh, we've seen in the Tour of Norway, the first stage where he got beaten by Remco, that he was in a terrible position before the sprint got going on and therefore he couldn't really get to win that stage because in a good position i'd say he wins against Avonapool that day relatively easily today perhaps positioning might again be the thing and i gotta hand it to you because you loki told me before we started here that it might be positioning but i actually agree with that standpoint i think uh it's certainly that but um next to that i also think that this might loki have been the fact that it's only like an X amount of percent climb instead of like a steeper finish sprint, you know? No, I don't. No? No. Okay. Because he was good on flat sprints in Norway. Okay, yeah, true. I think, I think the climb was the problem. Oh. I think, yeah, I think there is actually, these are really hard to predict, these sprints after a climb because you don't know how the fatigue, and it, it's clear, right? Wout's sprint today is not the same as his sprint the other days, struggling to overcome Ruben Guerrero. Like the fatigue and the climb obviously plays some sort of impact uh, on his sprint. And I think the same might apply to other riders, but I also think positioning's a problem for him. Roglic, Benji kind of got boxed in, didn't really contest. Jonas didn't lose time. I think Roglic is fully, I think Roglic is, so paranoid about losing general classifications, even though he's the strongest in the race, like in Paranese last year, like in Criterium de Dauphiné 2020, that he is moving away from cannibal mode and he just is more passive in the stages, uh, which, you know, follows him. I kind of get it. To be honest, he's waiting for the TT and the big mountain top finish. Ineos is who I want to talk about, Benji. Like, 
Where were they? Like Gegenhart 21st, same time. Dunbar 24th, same time. Hayes had dropped. Kwiatkowski on 30 seconds. What's what's going on? Because like, what, what, what happened with Wout's embarrassing, of course, but I'd rather still be Jumbo Visma tonight than Ineos. Yes, certainly, because Wout's back in yellow as well there. So we got to keep that in our mind too. But when it comes to like Ineos, Hater being behind in a group, uh, a minute back is not what you want on a finish like this. He should be able to get over this climb and he should be able to sprint with the best if his positioning is good on today's stage because positioning is usually a big issue. When it comes to Gegenhardt, I'd argue that being in that group is what you need to be for a GC rider. So I wouldn't necessarily be blaming him for not being... Yeah, sure. Agree. Uh, Eddie Dunbar, perhaps he was just protecting Gegenhardt at this point because he didn't believe he could actually get something out of the stage. But... I'd argue both Quijote and Dunbar would be the riders I'd have seen attacking on the final climb, and that was not the case. And Quijote perhaps not having the best day either. I don't know, but I uh, I do want to mention also that Froome dropped by 31 seconds. Does that change your mind on him? That's not great, is it? But, I mean, it's a hard... Yeah, it's not great. Uh, maybe it was a weird last K. I have to watch it again. I have to go and... I've only seen it once live what the dynamics of the group as they crested when Roglic was isolated, which is not the best. Not sure Jumbo Visma yeah. want Roglic in a group of 15 GC guys on his own there. I'm not sure that's a great scenario. I need to watch that again because I was very, very surprised no one attacked. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe the threat of Roglic was too much. Uh, but an interesting little finish. Not really decisive for GC apart from our friend Froome. To be honest, Roglic is on 10 seconds now to Guru, but there's a TT uh, tomorrow, which we're about to get into. 32Ks from Montbrison to La Batille d'Orfait. Uh, 32Ks, two intermediate time checks at 11.5 and 21. Looks a bit rolling. Uh, I'm looking at the overhead. Quite long straights, not particularly technical. Maybe 10 or 12 turns or less, which will require braking across the... Uh, 32 kilometers so let me just check how much elevation is supposed to be in this it comes up 96 positive meters so pretty flat too we have Ghana here Wout van Aert, Ethan Hayter, Roglic, Jonas am I missing Kung I'm legally not allowed to say to say Cavania's name so I won't say his name but anyone else you see is a big contender hmm I don't know. I'm so bad at getting picks for these, but I think uh, I'd argue Ghana is one that you need to name. I'd argue that Vanad is one you need to name. Roglic, I maybe it's too flat. Does that make any sense? I feel like I'd argue it's too flat, perhaps for Roglic to win it. Yeah, it's too. F- I think if Vanad and Ghana are in good form, it is just too flat with that 96 meters. McNulty as well, like it's a little bit flat for him and he's been inconsistent. Benjamin Tomar, good TT, but Ganner and Wout are really the top and you'd expect Cavania sort of a little bit behind them. Trying to look through Astana, Movistar, who have they got? No one, really. Well, to be honest, does it matter? Their equipment is like not necessarily uh, the best when it comes to time trials anyway, so I wouldn't have expected it from that camp anyway. So I'm looking for a a clash between the Titans, Gunnar and Wout Fanad basically a low-key world championships ripoff and um my money is on well for has done a lot in the last few stages so i'm gonna go for ghana 
Yeah, I'm going to go for Ganna too. He took the rest today. Maybe that, like he's clearly peak, oh, focusing mainly on this TT at this Dauphiné. Uh, so, but uh, he always, he's better in the Grand Tours. Well, yeah. you, you know, Wouts, he won the TT in the Tour de France after flogging himself for two and a half weeks. I don't know. I think it'll be close. I'll change to out. Okay, I'll go Gunner. You go out. That way we'll probably win. Or if Ethan Hayter surprises, uh, Wout will regardless go into the yellow jersey should he not crash. I'm assuming that, uh, I mean, where's he? He's 16 seconds ahead of Roglic. Roglic is not going to take 16 seconds on him in the TT, one wouldn't think. Uh, so Wout will go back into the yellow jersey, all things being considered. What if... Wow takes like a minute on other people now in the time trial. What does that mean for GC? I don't think it matters because Wout's climbing really hasn't looked fantastic. Uh, He got dropped today or distanced a little bit in a group that was quite large. And this climb, 11K is 9.5% Solaison, I think it's called, is it's not like a 12K 6% climb. It's a serious climb and they have to be all in on Roglic. So no, I don't think it... I really, no, I'm all in on Primoz, <laughs> I think. Anything else okay. from this stage? Any other other storylines? Nothing too crazy, I think. I think that's the main gist of it when it comes to the Dauphiné. And I think uh, I think it certainly has offered us some uh, topics to talk about in the last few days. So I guess I, I fang the race for that. Let's hope that um, people don't celebrate too early in the time trial tomorrow and therefore lose three seconds in the final meters, causing another rider to win the time trial. But hey. I mean, yeah, I don't think <laughs> think Van Aert and Ghana will be doing that. We'll move on to the women's tour, which the finish was a bit late yesterday, but it was finished earlier today. So we'll do stages one and two, recaps from Colchester to Bury St. Edmunds, the first stage. It was supposed to be a sprint stage, and it did end up being one. A little bit of uh, drizzle with Clara Caponi taking out the sprint ahead of Bertitz Hollage and Chicane. You'll notice there's no Lorena Vibers in that top three, which is almost impossible given that she's on the start list. And that's because there was a bad crash in the final kilometer. The DSM leadout was really good. And yeah, there was it was a bad crash, Benji. And I think um, people weren't happy with, I guess, the safety of this finish. I even got an email from a man uh, yesterday who went to the race he said i'll just read out part of it hi patrick hope everything's well long-term regular listener here went to watch the finish of the women's tour today in uh Burry st edmunds arrived late so stood a few hundred meters from the finish whoever designed the finish um didn't has never ridden a bike he said two 90 degree turns within 300 meters of the finish the crash was in front of me on the penultimate penultimate corner it took out the leading riders it was on an adverse camber bend after a slight downhill with a barrier-inducing narrowing of the road than the actual width of the road. It was also damp. The riders had no chance. Uh, a real shame. So thanks for that listener email. Is that... Well, I know it, people are saying it's dangerous, but, but why is this finish dangerous? Is it the narrowing and the unnarrowing? Because that's how I see it. I think the, the narrowing makes it really difficult for riders to predict the lines they can take. And then they have to panic breaking corners, and then it's all over. Yes, certainly, I agree there. And also the barrier placements is uh, what I see as an issue here as well. The barriers being narrower than the road itself caused that to be a corner where the riders couldn't go wide by accident. And therefore, if one goes wide, then a crash would definitely occur. But also the fact that in that corner where Charlotte Cole crashed out, she ended up going onto uh, onto that, I think you call it a camber in, uh, in English. Yeah, English language now. 
and uh the barrier was not on that camber it was like on the higher uh thingy on the left side of the road yeah i'm trying with my english okay <laughs> and yeah, yeah it sloped away from the the riders and so there's less traction yeah exactly and because charlotte cole tried to go onto that camber area and therefore was able to well be in the position where the grip was less she ended up crashing but i swear i i read somewhere that in 2014 they did a similar finish in this area and that then the barriers were placed in a different position on that camber, and then it was much safer for the riders to ride through. So I blame the organization for having barriers placed in a way that could also cause crashes much more easily than what they should have been placed at. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, that seemed to be a lot of the problem. Uh, but anyway, that was a shame. Caponi wins, big win for her. And yeah, she's really fast, young rider. Yeah, I also want to add that I think I I read that before the stage, there were teams complaining about a certain cobble section in the last kilometer as well. And they ended up uh, setting a rule by the organizers that the times would be counted with three kilometers to go. But my question then is, if a finish is considered dangerous enough that the times need to be counted at 3k to go, I'd argue that the finish is too dangerous to have riders pass over at all. Well, that's the same argument for the Tour de France stage three last year, where the riders were like, can we take times at 4k to go? And ASO said yes, and then UCI said no. And the question is, what are we doing here? Why are we doing such a dangerous finish in the first place? Because uh, didn't it finish in Le Pertien's home? Uh, anyway, <laughs> stage two. Less of an issue. It was Lorena Vieber's show once again. She can't keep her down two stages in a row. This was at Clinic from DSM. Their lead out was with Yastrab and Cool and Yastrab, young American. She's legit good. They got Koch as well, is strong for the lead out, three women lead out for Vieber's, and they just, yeah, destroyed it. And when Vieber's kicked, it looks, it's, it's, it's different, even bigger than Pete Kittle against other people. It's like, it's like everyone else is going in slow motion. She gets like 10 bike lengths or whatever, and the sprint is over. So she wins. Uh, she doesn't go into the GC lead, though, because Caponi keeps it by three seconds over Micah van der Doen and four over Vibers. But, yeah, she wins the stage ahead of Barbara Gorishi, Shari Brussoit third, and Marjolein van der Kloof fourth. Uh, Lebecki fifth, Caponi sixth. So she missed out on all bonus seconds. But Gorishi closed, closed someone to the barriers again. Yeah, certainly. And the thing there is that Guarishi was on the wheel of Wibbers when Wibbers launched. Wibbers launches and moves a tiny bit to the left. So Guarishi is like forced to move to the left a tiny bit as well. That's one that you would say is normal. But then she keeps looking under her elbows, like under her shoulders to see what the riders behind her is doing. And she keeps moving to the left every single time after she looks behind. And that's because Shadi Bosaid is trying to move on to her left and she sees that it she keeps on moving to the left she keeps on moving to the left to the point where there's no gap for Charlie side to pass now the thing is a deviation certainly happened but is this considered dangerous i'd argue that's where the issue lies this time i don't yes. necessarily yes uh she, i'm she on the edge today to the barriers uh, i'd say this one's closer than than just an obvious s for me personally you know what was bad is that the rider behind her, uh, Van Bosoit, put her hand on her yeah. hip and Garishi leaned in more. Yeah, exactly. It I was, was like, like she was trying to push fuck? her in. It's fucked. <laughs> like, this is not so, the first time. 
And it, yeah, right near the finish, I was like, come on, give some space. Like, you've closed the half the width of the road. Anyway, it's a problem. I think it's a relegation. Uh, I think this time, on in the bubble of this case only, I'd say it's just not a relegation, personally. But I will say that the majority of sprints I've seen from Guarishi, she's doing this stuff all the time. She scratched out Consonian, was it Valenciana at the start of the year with a shady relegation, uh, relegatable act, and she got relegated for that, and she started complaining on social media about getting relegated for crashing Consonian to the floor. I, I think she's she's generally the Nasser Buhani of women's cycling at the peak where Nasser Buhani was doing stuff crazy. You know I'm team Buhani, um, so... I take umbrage with that. But yeah, that's we've got stage three uh, tomorrow, more of a punchy stage. They do like 1K uh, 7% climbs repeated or 2K 6%, but it is a flat finish. So can Vibas get over them? Uh, not convinced. I would like to see SD Works play Royster up the road on those and put the other teams under pressure. Otherwise, we might have a reduced bunch sprint for some of the more resistant riders. We don't have Cavalli here because she would be a really, really big chance for this finish. But that's all from us today. We've got Dauphiné tomorrow, Women's Tour tomorrow. It's a Wednesday, so we might have some uh, other... We've got ZLM Tour starting, uh, Cop where Groenewegen should have started for GC. Uh, and there's also Adriatica Ionica race on at the moment, which is pretty weak start list uh, for its standards, actually. Although Tesfatsion won an uphill, not an uphill, like a mountaintop finish in a sprint, which is nice to see. Uh, Delive won at Ronde van Limburg yesterday ahead of Consonian van Poppel. Van Poppel dropped Sam Bennett whilst leading him out, which probably not what you want to see in advance of the Tour de France. Uh, but Delive's a beast, the bull, and. Uh, can't wait to see his exploits continue in these 1-1 races, providing many, many points for Lotto that they are grateful for, I'm sure. That's all from us today. We'll see with the highlights or recaps rather tomorrow. Ciao. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.